This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you've ever walked along the lakefront, you're probably familiar with this sound. Yep, those are the geese that may or may not start getting loud if you get too close. But can you identify these sounds? Those are bats, a coyote, and a snake. And they're all animals that call Chicago home. Chicago is unusual among big cities in its rich biodiversity and large wilderness areas. And while most residents enjoy watching wildlife in the parks, they don't exactly want to come face to face with a bat or a snake. Scientists at the Lincoln Park Zoo have partnered with the city to figure out how we can all coexist with our urban wildlife, from bats and beavers to snakes and squirrels. The goal is to protect animals while also protecting us from them. With us now is Seth Magley, director of the zoo's Urban Wildlife Institute and a contributor to the plan. Hi, Seth. Great to have you back on the show. Hi, Sasha. Great to be here. For those of us who aren't familiar, Seth, what is the Urban Wildlife Institute? Yeah, we're a research center housed in the Lincoln Park Zoo here in Chicago, and we work to try to help people in wildlife to coexist in cities all around the world. So the Urban Wildlife Institute and the city of Chicago, now they've come up with this wildlife coexistence plan. So before we get into that, Seth, I want you to talk about how that collaboration came about. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting story. We actually were holding a summit at the zoo some years ago to talk about these issues, wildlife-friendly design, and we met with a PhD student named Alana Tavis from Cambridge, and she was actually working with the city on a coyote coexistence plan. And we were aware of the plan, and we thought it was pretty impressive, and we got to talking, and we said, you know, we could go beyond coyotes. We could extend this plan to really talk about all the wildlife species uh, that share Chicago with us. And so uh, Alana was able to make introductions to the city, and then together we were able to come up with this new plan. So tell us some of the ways that people and wildlife actually come into conflict in this city. Yeah, well, first I want to emphasize that most of the time when you encounter wildlife in the city, you're not going to come into conflict. Mostly it's going to be a, either a pleasant encounter or a neutral encounter. But that said, these conflicts do happen. You can imagine all sorts of things like a skunk that's trying to burrow under your deck or you know, a deer that maybe you narrowly avoid hitting with your car. Uh, we're also interested in issues of wildlife disease. You know, some of these diseases like West Nile virus or avian influenza that uh, wildlife carry that we can actually contract. So those are some of the examples of conflicts that we want to try to reduce to really enable better coexistence. What about rats, Seth? Because last year, Chicago led Orkin's rattiest cities list for the seventh year in a row. Yeah, rats are their whole own issue. So one of the things the Urban Wildlife Institute does is we we, uh, host the Chicago Rat Project, and we're actually trying to understand how rat conflicts are distributed across the city, who's really struggling with rats, um, how can we reduce their populations and reduce these conflicts um, in such a way that we can you know, sort of better survive in a city that does have a lot of rats. I would take a bit of umbrage with that. I don't know where Orkin came up with that exact <laughs> moniker. I'm always wondering that, but it is fair to say we have a lot of rats in Chicago. We are the rattiest city, according to them, Seth. Um, so, so tell me, when we talked about uh, folks coming into conflict with wildlife, what happens when the CACC gets involved, the uh, Animal Care and Control Group from the city? Yeah, and I'm not a CACC officer, so I don't want to speak directly for them too much. But I will say, as you said in the opening, we have a tremendous amount of biodiversity in Chicago. What that means is 
they're dealing with every imaginable situation with just dozens of different potential species, potential encounters with people. So, you know, they have a tough job because they're dealing with everything you can imagine with these different wildlife species, and they all sort of require a different approach. Uh, but what we hope that this plan does is it tries to make the default uh, an attempt to think about coexistence, an attempt to think about is there a way to um, reduce this conflict in the future uh, in a way that's easier on us and easier on the wildlife. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about a new plan for coexisting with urban wildlife from Lincoln Park Zoo. With us to discuss is Seth Magley, one of the co-authors of the plan. Uh, Seth, let's talk about coyotes because that's one animal in this plan. How did previous research on coyotes inform the coexistence plan's recommendation? Yeah, Chicago probably has the best studied uh, coyotes in the entire country, and that's not entirely work from my center. That's largely work from others, but we've learned an enormous amount uh, about coyote behavior. For example, the fact that they look both ways before crossing streets, which is kind of an amazing little fact about urban coyotes. They really are flourishing and doing extremely well in the city. Uh, But to get back to coexistence, I think it's interesting to note that the way that they make such a good living in the city is by avoiding us. Coyotes are incredibly good at living right in the heart of, of our civilization, but most of the time staying out of our way, eating rabbits, eating squirrels, doing more or less what they would be doing in natural landscapes, just in the hearts of our cities, uh, while finding these clever places to hide. Um, And most of the time, coyotes don't create any sort of real conflict. Well, let's talk about where in the city some of this wildlife is that's included in the plan, because I don't think some of us have ever seen a snake or a bat or a fox when we're taking our daily walk. I know I haven't. Yeah, that's right. They're very good at, at hiding and avoiding us. So myself and my team, we use a variety of technologies such as camera traps and acoustic monitors to really understand where they are. Because if I, even if I, as a wildlife biologist, if I went out and said, I'm going to go see a coyote today, uh, I may or may not be successful at that. But if I set up the right equipment, I can find out where they live. Um, but you would be surprised at how good they are at hiding. So at the zoo where I work, we had a coyote once who chose a, a shrub just south of the zoo as a place to sleep during the day. Mm. We happened to spot him there, uh, but then we watched thousands of people all day jogging, walking around that area, never seeing this coyote who was, you know, five feet from them, uh, camouflaged in this bush. So it just shows you that uh, it's amazing the amount of ecology, the amount of nature that's around us all the time that we're just totally unaware of. What is it that makes them stay away from us? Are, are they scared? Well, I think it's a smart decision on their part. I mean, nothing good happens from a coyote interacting with a human in the city. You know, we might uh, sort of raise a stink about it with someone. We might try to get them moved. Um, We're not the source of their food, or we shouldn't be. It's not good for people to be feeding these wild animals. Um, So, you know, and and cars, we know, are the major mortality factor for these urban coyotes. That's mostly what kills them is being hit by cars. So everything about us is kind of bad, except that this city that we've built has resources for them, has things that they want to use. So... It's really quite rational for them to try to keep away from us. Well, to that end, Seth, talk about why having this diverse population of animals here is important. It's important for a lot of reasons. We know from a lot of research that being around nature is good for people. It's good for us emotionally. It's good for us physically. And, of course, a thriving wildlife population is a critical part of that nature. We also know that many of these species are providing us with services, things that are useful to us, whether we're aware of it or not. In the case of coyotes, you know, they may be trying to help control our our rabbit and our squirrel populations, which are quite high. Um, You know, we could talk about things like um, opossums that that eat a fair number of ticks or bats. Of course, bats eat insects, too, that we don't need any more of around in our cities. So uh, 
Chicago really is part of this very diverse and very robust ecology. You know, we live in a form of nature, whether we're aware of it or not. And every part of that nature is playing a role. So they really are trying to help us out, sounds like. A lot of them. I don't know if I would ascribe intentionality to it, but they are helping us out <laughs> uh, by being a part of this, this connected ecology we all live in. You're, uh, you're also sharing this data with uh, other cities through the Urban Wildlife Information Network, aren't you? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And we started that network. I think that Chicago really is seen as a leader in this field of coexistence with wildlife and understanding urban wildlife. And this plan is a part of that leadership role. We really hope that other cities are going to look to our example moving forward. How do other places compare to Chicago? I think that we are unusual, and, and you talked about this at the beginning of this segment, in having a lot of conserved nature. I mean, when I think about the decision to conserve the lakefront, right, as a recreational space and then as a space also used by wildlife, that was such a forward-thinking idea that really has shaped the way wildlife move across the city and they move through our area. And then all the forest reserves, the county forest reserves, the park districts, all of the green space around our city, which is amazing for us, but it's also amazing for wildlife. So I think that we compare very favorably to other large North American cities as far as how much nature we have and how people can interact with that nature. So in summary, what would you say then are are the key points that we should take away from this coexistence plan? I think it represents a deep philosophical change because I think historically we've thought of cities as this kind of no wildlife zone, that it's sort of a place only for people, everything else stay out. That never worked. There were always other animals in our cities, but now we're starting to understand that in some cases we get a lot of benefit from those other species, and it can be tremendously positive to live in a place uh, that has nature around us, that has other species, and that coexistence can be a benefit uh, both for them and for us. What would you hope to see sort of change in the the minds of maybe even folks listening now in how we interact with and coexist with wildlife when we come across them here in Chicago? One of the things I'm always hoping is that if you see an animal and if it's out in in you know in the city out in some place where it uh, where it can just move about and and uh, and fulfill its ecological role, that your first reaction. I think everyone's first reaction is surprise when you see an animal where you don't expect it. But I hope that from there we, we go to a place of, of being happy about that, of being excited to see these other species and to have that sense of awe that you would have walking around in the woods when you see a fox. Uh, you can have that same sense of awe when you see one walking down your street. And I think that's the shift that I've been starting to see that I'm really excited by. Yeah, I think it's, it's just the environment. I, it's, for me even, Seth, it's hard to wrap my mind around seeing that kind of animal on my street and not have my first reaction be a loud shriek <laughs> or thinking of running, right? Which I know is going to cause all kinds of problems in itself. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have different reactions, but I think in most cases, these animals, really, we have nothing to fear from them and they, they really can just enrich our lives so much. I've been reading a lot lately on Twitter, people in Chicago who are seeing flying squirrels in their backyards, right? So flying squirrels, not a species people think of Mm. as existing in the city, but they're so cool and they're so cute. And it's just amazing to me that with, in some cases, not very much effort, we can make a space for these really cool species uh, to live right alongside of us. So what would you say then to Chicago residents who are interested in learning more about local wildlife populations and how they can manage them? Yeah, this plan is a great place to start. It has a lot of tips about that, so I hope there'll be a link to it that they can access easily. But there are a lot of tips to how to live with wildlife and also how to deal with wildlife conflict as it comes up. And if you also want to learn more about the local species in Chicago, uh, we have a website called Chicago Wildlife Watch that you can find where you can actually help us identify animals that we capture on camera traps 
and learn how to tell them apart so that you know uh, a little bit more about all these residents that we live with. That is Seth Magley. He's director of the zoo's Urban Wildlife Institute. Thank you, Seth. Very interesting. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.